Attack them fast. Welcome to another edition of Scarlet Jimmy's. This is the playoff edition, episode 13 and 3. We are going to preview Saturday's game. So the 49ers found out that they will play against the Minnesota Vikings, who took down the Saints on the road today in an upset. We're going to cover that game. I am joined by Rich. Rich, what's going on, man? Not much. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Nice little weekend here. It It was good to watch these wild card games and take a break from the stress that the 49ers put on us every Sunday. So it was it was good to see other teams have to kind of witness what, you know, we've been going through essentially like the last month and a half. Like 49ers are playing these crazy pull your hair out type games, but not this week, man. Uh, what were your what did you think about the wild card weekend? It was a good weekend. Yeah, it was definitely wild for sure. I, I didn't think the last game tonight was that exciting i guess i guess it might have been if Wentz hadn't gotten hurt but i mean even that was still a close game but the the other ones were just you know you had well we had two overtime games and then one that came down to the very end you know right brady throws a pick six right at the very end there so um definitely did not see a couple things couple of these teams winning even though i kind of wanted the titans and the and the vikings to win i didn't think they actually would and then just from basically from the first play of the game yesterday in the buffalo game till tonight it was just incredible uh four incredible games it really was and now we're gonna we're gonna go to the divisional round without you know two of the better quarterbacks of the generation tom brady drew Brees. but it's time for the the young bucks to get their shine and hopefully uh you know that includes Jimmy Garoppolo who's not young but I mean he hasn't played very much but let's let's get into the biggest news of Sunday so Adam Schefter reported that Quan Alexander has made progress in his recovery enough progress in his recovery from the torn peck that he suffered back on Halloween where Alexander is now on track or what Schefter's words was has a good chance of returning Saturday against the Vikings. So, um, Rich, you, <laughs> I remember this. <laughs> we were talking about this, and which is a natural reaction to have. So, uh, we were talking about Quan Alexander making a comeback. I think it was back on like three weeks ago, like the 17th or something. And like natural reaction is, Hey, like, wh- like how, how would he possibly make a recovery? Like, how is he going to be able to play again when he just tore his chest, like his pec muscle, not even two months ago? Like, how is this dude going to come back when these are six month injuries? And one thing that we touched on was uh, not every injury is the same. And I think that is one of the biggest issues that we have. As fans, when we we put every injury in the same box when it really isn't at all. So what I found out was that Alexander, like back in in December, like Alexander's injury, he didn't completely tear it, which has allowed him to rehab. And he's going to be able to wear a harness where he has some mobility, obviously won't have the type of mobility with wearing the harness that he wouldn't, obviously, if he was not hurt. But it'll be enough where Alexander can suit up. And we've seen... A lot of recent videos surfacing where Alexander is being able to catch the ball away from his body. So I'm I'm fascinated by this dude because I just think there when when I watch him play, he is just a well first of all he's a fantastic player. But when we're talking about emotion, energy, 
just and like there's a motivational factor that he has that you just cannot quantify, man. I don't think there's any stat that quantifies what Quan Alexander means to this defense. And Nick Bosa said last week that Alexander was the emotional leader on the team, and he he pretty much makes it impossible to not have fun while you're on the field. He gets everybody wild up. So what is, what is your takeaway of Alexander? First off, is this worth the risk to come back? Yes, I think it is. We saw what J.J. Watt did yesterday, had a couple tackles for a loss and had a sack in there, a couple quarterback hits. And he, you know, he's obviously not playing at 100%. Um, and he still played pretty well, you know, for a guy who hasn't been able to really put his his arm in his chest through any type of, you know, regular rehab. He still played pretty well. I think that bodes well for Alexander. Um, I'm not looking for him to get in there and scrap it up with, you know, the offensive lineman on every single tackle and every single play, but just from even getting, just for, you know, getting him back and from even a pass coverage standpoint, which is where he really probably makes his money and where the most impact will be felt, you know, you really had a drop off there. Um, and, and this is nothing against Greenlaw, but teams were able to kind of pick apart the intermediate areas of the defense after Alexander went out. So he, they missed his play recognition. They miss, his coverage ability and things like that and getting him back. If he can just do that, you know, at even 75% of the level or 80% of the level that he did it before he got hurt, then that's a huge win for them. And that's a big boost for this defense. Um, obviously I, I made the comment that, you know, I didn't, the, that it was a long shot that he would come back and play, even if they, you know, they felt that he, that he could just because I didn't know the severity of the injury. And I don't think any of us really did until you dropped the tidbit of info that you got, um, from someone that day or whatever, but so it, it it's good. I'm I'm glad he's coming back. I'm not like shit. I was proven wrong or anything, and you know I don't care about that. I just I'm glad he'll he'll be there, and he is the emotional leader that this defense needs right now. And you know you can see it when he's on the sidelines and things like that. And it's not the same, but getting him on the field I think will provide just that much more of a boost for them that they're going to need against you know what what the the Vikings are going to throw at him. A thousand percent. And I'm glad you brought that up about Greenlaw because it's not a slight to say Dre Greenlaw isn't as good as Quan Alexander. It's something like there's nothing wrong with that. This dude was a fifth round pick. He wasn't even expected to play as much and he has made plays, but because he's made like the, the tackle obviously. And then he had the interception, but because he's made like those highlight plays, there are 40, 50 other plays in a game, and we have to take those into account as well. And I, I spent the most most of my Sunday going through the, re, the all the games that Quan Alexander played in, and there's just so many plays where he takes away that the quarterback's read, and the quarterback has to go somewhere else. Like he's just a phenomenal player when it comes to that intermediate part of the field and in the playoffs, especially the Vikings, which we'll get into, they're going to try to get Kirk cousins out of the pocket and just get, take away that middle portion of the field or try to target that middle portion of the field. And um, in the, in that article I wrote about Quan Alexander too, I, I made sure I put in a couple plays where you see him and Fred Warner communicating and those two were on the same page. And there was one play that really stood out. It was a, there was a going to be a crossing route and Fred Warner was getting ready to cross the field and chase a route where he had no business chasing. Quan Alexander points it out, signals to Quan Alexander and Fred 
goes the other way in the direction. It was just a really good play, like a heads up play. Those two are on the same page, man. And yeah, they're just a really dynamic duo. So pretty excited to get Quan Alexander back. I wonder, I do wonder how much they are going to play him and what role he plays. There has been a lot of talk on, you know, what position Quan Alexander is to begin with. Um, they think, so some people think he plays Will. Other people think he plays Sam. Obviously, the 49ers are going to be in, you know, their sub-package defense probably upwards to um, 70% of the time because the, Vo- the Vikings actually are one of the few teams that don't really rely on uh, three wide receiver sets, but we'll see how that goes. Anyways, um, I'm going to be interested to see, you know, how how they roll out Alexander. They just throw him to the wolves and say, hey, go be our Sam, go be our Will. Or, you know, how do you think how do you think that that plays out? I think initially, probably just in third downs, maybe second and third, second and longs and then the third down situations that they force him into the throwing. Um, I don't know if, how much they want him in there mixing it up with, you know, taking on blockers and things like that and obvious running downs. And, and you know, they don't really need to do that. Um, you know, you can work him, you can ease him back into it you know, and have him play still a majority of the game, even if he plays, you know, obvious passing down. So we'll see. I mean, I hate using it as the baseline, but I think Watt played 52 of like 80 snaps yesterday. So even he played a lot. So um, who knows how they, you know, how many snaps he would play, but I would, I would guess at least he plays the majority of passing downs and then maybe, you know, some running downs here and there, but, um, they'll probably ease him back in in the first quarter, and then by the second quarter, third quarter, he's you know taking more and more snaps. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Just referencing Watt because Watt is in the trenches and he's like hammering somebody every play. So, yeah, I think it's a good a good idea. Just kind of slow roll it. I do wonder if you know how much they need Quan for this game specifically. Obviously, you know he's he's the heartbeat and he's the pulse. <laughs> He makes him go um, just with knowing that the Vikings aren't going to be spread out as much, but we'll find out and we'll know, we'll know soon enough. Just the fact that he's going to be active is, is pretty, um, just pretty incredible in itself. So this is the game that we wanted and we put out some polls and, you know, just getting, getting a feel for the three options that the 49ers had and everybody wanted to face the Vikings for a numerous amount of reasons. And one of those reasons was to, because the saints are no longer going to be in the playoffs. And I do agree with that because going down the line of teams in the (laughs) NFC that can knock off the 49ers, the saints were at the top of the list for pretty much everybody. But I do think that we kind of sold the Vikings short and not just because of how they played today, but because of who they have on their roster. These guys are stacked. There are a lot of good players on this team. I know that, Primetime Kirk Cousins is a thing, and you know there's there's a lot of numbers that back up to, you know he's just been bad overall in history. But that was not the case during the regular season, and we saw him make some big time throws against the Saints. So it's it's more of a be careful what you wish for because Thielen, Diggs, Cook, uh, Everson Griffin, Daniel Daniel Hunter, Eric Kendricks, Harrison Smith. There's a ton of really good players on the Vikings, and in these playoff games. You, you want like I, I would be fine facing a team like the Seahawks who only you only have to d- really deal with like a Russell Wilson playing like scramble where 
whereas the Vikings can hit you with all these different weapons and hit you all over the field. But you uh, you had a nice take or an interesting take on the Vikings. You feel like they are the team that is most equipped to beat the 49ers. Yeah, and the regular season doesn't really bear that out in any way that's surface level visible. But when you look at some of the things they do, um, just a combination of their pass rush, especially you know with their coverage ability on the back end, it's really dangerous. I think uh, you know they only sacked Breeze three times today, but Hunter and Everson Griffin both split those sacks. So both each of them had uh, one and a half sacks. Um, so they were able to do some damage there. I haven't yet seen the pressure numbers for that, but on the back end, um, who's the safety? Anthony Harris. Um, I believe it free is safety. Yeah, he's really good. Um, he's not. A, he's a player that isn't talked about enough. And then they have Harrison Smith, who's another good uh, safety back there. Xavier Rhodes is obviously the seems like the weak link right now. I'm not sure really what happened to that guy, but for the most part, they're still a really good defensive unit. Um, they do a lot of different things with their coverage schemes. They'll show you, you know, maybe a, a single high that rotates into quarters or something. Um, they played a lot of, they play a lot of single high and man coverage and a lot of two high zone coverage. Um, and they'll just show you pressure from every different angle. Um, they like to do it in the a gaps. They like to do it on the edges and you don't really know where it's coming from. And that's, that could be a huge issue. Um, especially, you know, if the offense is able to get, you know, the Vikings offense is able to get, you know, two or three touchdowns throughout the course of the game and the 49ers are having to either match that or come from behind and some point of the game, it could be, uh, it could be pretty tough. Um, and you can't also forget that one other thing that isn't really talked about enough is that Gary Kubiak is there with the Vikings right now. And he's not a, he's not an offensive coach, like a coordinator or anything, but he is advising their offensive staff on the playbook. And so, you know, that they're probably incorporating a lot of his scheme because of cousins had having familiarity with it, with uh, Shanahan and everybody. And so you've got to figure that he'll have Zimmer's defense and he'll be advising them on, you know, how to play that offense that Shanahan runs. So that's, that I think for me is the most troubling thing about playing the Vikings is having a guy on the, on that staff that knows how to play Shanahan's offense and knows how to be ready for it. The, I mean, the Vikings played it pretty well last year in week one, but there's Kubiak wasn't there last year. He's there, but he, he just started there, I believe this year. So that's going to be a big, a big thing to watch for is how this, how their defense prepares for Shanahan's offense. Yeah, and that's a good point. I, I am interested to see just how Shanahan feels like, like he will attack this defense, especially today, because the Saints hit the Vikings on quite a few big plays, and there were some plays that they left on the field as well. So we, I, I'm just interested in if maybe if we see a couple shots to like a Richie James or some sort of speedster down the field, because the Vikings had no answer for the Saints' speed. So uh, Stephen Ruiz from USA Today, my guy, put together a very nice scouting report over on USA Today, and he basically has all the personnel info from the Vikings' defense and actually every NFL team. So the Vikings' defense on the season, they're in nickel 82% of the time, which is pretty pretty amazing. They run man coverage 36% of the time. 
They're in zone 64% of the time, and they will blitz the hell out of you. They blitz 23% of the time, which is uh, quite a bit. I, I believe uh, Robert Sala is like low teens at the very, very highest. We see the Vikings run a lot of man coverage, which that is money for Shanahan. And they they also do quite a bit of too high. So you'll see Harris and Smith both high. And one probably walks down at the line of scrimmage. But here's what here's what we said. Here's his little blurb on the Vikings defense. We've seen a philosophical um, shift from the Vikings defense over the last year and a half. Zimmer is playing more four deep coverages, which allows him to guard the p- passes against uh, d- deep passes down the seams. Uh, Minnesota is now a quarters team, but when they want to play man, they also do have only one safety deep for the most part. And as we all know, Zimmer is, is known for those double A gap blitzes where he just sugars the A gap with both linebackers. But we didn't really see those as much in 2019. I do. And obviously, you know, you, for most quarterbacks, they struggle with pressure up the middle. Cousins is one. But Garoppolo, I, I'm going to be interested to see how aggressive Zimmer is and if they're going to do what most people do and load the box. But when you do that, will you trust Eric Kendricks on George Kittle? Because that is going to be a fantastic matchup. And I, I, I'm just interested to see who he, who Shanahan attacks. It's probably going to be Xavier Rhodes because if you watch the game today or watch any game this season, he cannot run anymore. He ran a, I believe he ran a low 4-4 out of college. Injuries have just taken a toll on his body, and he looks more like a struggling linebacker to run than a cornerback on the perimeter. Um, do you have any any idea, or I guess, how would you attack this defense? Probably the same way that they've attacked anyone else in the last couple of weeks, and that's with the RPO game and then challenging some of these lesser players with, you know, Kittle and, and Jusizic. One one thing I would like to see more is maybe one or two deep shots with Jusizic out of the backfield, like the one catch that he had um, against the Steelers where they ran basically the fullback leak play or the fullback seam or whatever it's called. And it, you, you can if you can get him up the seam against, you know, a single high safety, I'll take that every time because they're not going to be able to get down there in time to cover it. And then we know Shanahan likes to dress all these plays up. And I think, I really think last week was the last piece of the puzzle. Like it was a tune-up game for Shanahan and he put a lot more things on tape last week against the Seahawks than he has all season, except for maybe the Saints game. And everything he does kind of fits into a, it's like, it's like putting a puzzle together, the next piece and then the next piece and then the next piece. And then he can dress up those plays with other plays. And we kind of saw that in the Seahawks game. So now he's got everything else. He's got everything out there on tape. And it, it at the same time, it probably will be tough for Minnesota to come up with some type of game plan because in the Seahawks game, we saw Kittle catch passes on routes that he normally reserves for Sanders and for Debo. And then for, Debo, you know, he lines up in the backfield and next thing you know, he's taking a reverse or he's catching an RPO um, on the glance route or something. And so there's just a lot of ways and a lot of variety that I think Shanahan has that I think he's going to throw at him. Um, If they are going to load the box, you can probably expect one or two more RPOs to either Debo or Emmanuel Sanders. And I think they're going to really 
look for those creases and those weaknesses that they can hit this Vikings defense on. And it'd be interesting to go back and see some of the things that worked against the defense the first time last year. I know the the play action was there and some of the intermediate stuff that they were doing was there. It just wasn't, you know, an A-plus game from anybody on the offense all around at that time. So the, the opportunities are going to be there. It's just a matter of how Shanahan's going to, you know, work all of that into the game plan. Yeah, and I, I, man, you. So you had a really nice article on the RPOs and just what Shanahan offered because when I when I saw him run pin and pull, and then Jimmy G pulled it and Debo was wide open on a slant, like that's when you know he's like really in his bag. Like he really has some tricks up his sleeve because those are the type of plays, like you mentioned, you usually don't see those until you know like money situations. And he he really pulled those out against Seattle. I really think that they're going to attack the secondary. I think they're going to attack the middle of the field. So the Vikings, and this is, again, just using DVOA, they are 21st against number one wide receivers in DVOA. They are 24th against the third and fourth wide receivers, which usually means the slot receivers. So we could see a big game from Debo. We could see a big game from Kendrick Bourne, big game from Emmanuel Sanders if he is indeed in the slot, which I think he probably will be – this game especially the Vikings are actually first in the NFL at defending tight ends and they are 11th against running backs. I really, I think, I don't, I think the saints did this a couple of times with Kamara where they're just getting him on swing routes or just getting him where they run everybody off and they just dump it down to the running back. I really like that. I want to get, you know, Brita, Moster, Coleman in space. And those are like free five and six yard plays. So it doesn't have to be, these home run plays every time you can, you can just take the easy yards and that's what RPOs are for. And that's why I think you hit on the head there, Shanahan. So looking at a couple other numbers, cause that's just all that matters to me. Apparently um, the success rate for the Vikings pass defense this season was 21st. That is ungood. The success rate for the Vikings run defense is 20th. I love success rate because it's very black and white. Did you do what you were supposed to? Did you get the amount of yards that you needed to for this play to be successful? And we saw the Saints, you know, the Saints made, I think the Saints made more mistakes and kept the Vikings in the game. But if you guys just watched the Vikings, the last, against the Seahawks when they're on primetime, um, they're just giving up plays. There's so many blown coverages every game. And I think, you yeah, know, that's like, what's really weird. Yeah. For a Zimmer team, a Zimmer coach team as well. Um, you just see these guys, the safeties are diving on routes. The cornerbacks look like they're always expecting help and they're giving up big plays. So I really do think the 49ers will be able to take advantage down the field, but I also think they'll be able to run the ball against them too. I, I honestly think the, the 49ers will have no problem scoring four touchdowns, at least this game, which seems, you know, arrogant and cocky. But if you just see how these, these games have played out and see the kind of rhythm that the 49ers have been in and who is calling their plays. I am pretty confident that the offense will not struggle. So let's, let's go to the other side of the ball. How do you think that the 49ers defense matches up against the Vikings who, you know, like we mentioned, they have, they have plenty of firepower on that side of the ball. Well, the Vikings offense looks dramatically different with cook back in the lineup. And I think that could be the number one thing that they're probably going to be worried about. 
just because of the way that um, the Vikings like to run pretty much the same, you know, running plays to the edge, whether it's zone. They ran some toss today that beat the Saints out on the edge. So that's pr- that's problematic for a team that hasn't really shown that they can stop, you know, those edge runs, especially against, you know, running with the wide nine there. It's just ripe for creating at least a cutback lane between that, that bubble or, you know, out on the edge. I think the, excuse me, I think the Rams, you know, got out qu- quite a bit on the edge in them in the first game with the run. And then it just it's it hasn't been easy for the 49ers defense to contain those plays. Anything up the middle, you know, like Seattle does is that's easy. That's easy money for this defense. It's just it's just the perimeter stuff that has given them fits, whether it's a zone, a toss or even the screens out on the edge. It's just it's been problematic. And the the Vikings are a big screen team as well. So that's going to be something to look for because we've seen this defense in the past also struggle to stop that. It seemed like they were giving up, you know, big screen after big screen to the Rams a couple of weeks ago. You know, we thought they cleaned it up after that first Cardinals game, and then it it came back and bit them again, you know, in week 16. So that's something to watch. And then you've you've got I, I don't know how you roll with Witherspoon in this game. I think I think you know you made a good point earlier. It, it might be an unpopular take, but you got to put Mosley in there at the left or at the was it the right corner spot. Yeah, and man, it it has been rough for Witherspoon. He's been in position for a lot of these plays, but he's not making a play on the pass. And when you can't make a play on the ball, man, there's just not much there's not much value that you bring because that's what it's about. You it's about being able to just disrupt, just make a play, get the ball out, do anything it takes for the wide receiver to not catch the ball. And it just seems like Witherspoon is a half tick late. I had I had a stat on him where I think it was heading into the either is it heading into Seattle's game or after Seattle's game. I think it was after the Seattle's game where the last three or four games, Witherspoon had given up 18 of 22 targets and 16, 15 or 16 of those were either touchdowns or first downs. So he's just not giving he's not giving the coaching staff much of a choice. And Mosley played really well when he did sub in. And as I told you earlier, that the the unpopular opinion was if there was one receiver that I would, or sorry, if there was one cornerback on the 49ers that I would send out to guard Adam Thielen or Stefan Diggs, it's probably not going to be Richard Sherman. It's going to be Mosley just because I feel like his quickness and lateral ability and his ability to recover, most importantly, is going to help him make plays against the Vikings. And I wonder how much the Vikings winning has to do with the coaching staff making their decision, knowing that, you know, this is a team that's going to take deep play action shots. It's what they do. They want to roll and get get guys, you know, going across the formation. So Mosley has that speed and he has that ability to recover. And he's just really good with the ball in the air. That that pass breakup where he had against DK Metcalf towards the end of the towards the end of the game last uh, week, 17. Like, that was a tremendous play. Like, that is all you need to know about his recovery speed. So, yeah, Mosley Mosley has to be the guy. I don't think there's much of a choice. Um, what, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Kirk Cousins' road and home split. So, probably, as I mentioned, so Kirk Cousins has played very well this season. But on the road, not so much. And obviously, you know, quarterback wins and losses aren't necessarily all on the quarterback. But... The Vikings were six and one at home. Uh, Kirk got, and he was four and four on the road. 
and completion percentage is a is not a great stat, but this is pretty telling. So Kirk Cousins completed 75% of his throws at home. He only completed 64 on the road. He threw 11 touchdowns, two interceptions at home. He threw 15 touchdowns, four interceptions on the road. He was sacked four fewer times, but he also um, he also threw the ball a lot a lot um, less as well. And what was the other key one? So his adjusted air yards, or sorry, adjusted yards per attempt took a nosedive when Kirk Cousins was on the road as well. So I believe it, it cut in half almost um, five yards when they lost. So if you just get off, if you get after him, if you pressure him, which the 49ers, one, one of my biggest takeaways watching the game was, I know the result doesn't show it, but Cam Jordan was just getting after uh, Riley Reef, I believe is the right tackle. And the Saints had a lot of pressure on the day. And one of the biggest things where Kirk Cousins, who, and again, I, I've been pretty vocal about PFF grades, but Kirk Cousins' PFF grade is 84. When he's under pressure, like when he's pressured, his PFF grade is 48. That is pretty telling. So they have to be able to get after Kirk Cousins. That is going to be huge. And yeah, what do you what do you think? What is going to be the key to slowing down the Vikings? Obviously, without you know the obvious pressure. Not giving up any sort of big play or miscover or miscue and coverage and things like that because he will take advantage of that. I mean he. A couple of those throws that he made today that were really nice that on the towards the end of the game there, I mean, he stood in the pocket and just delivered it. There, you can't deny that, I guess, but he doesn't do that all the time. He doesn't. He'll have those, <laughs> I mean, he'll he'll make that throw every now and then, and it's kind of like, you know, a blind, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. But, you know, he credit to him. I mean, he made him when he had to make him, you know, and he, for three and a half quarters, he looked lost, even though they were up. You know, they were largely up because of having Cook back there. Now, he did. they, they did go up 20-10 to 10, uh, after he had dropped. You know, they had gotten the ball back, and he had thrown a nice pass to Thielen in the red zone to get him into the goal, you know, first and goal to go. But he's not going to do that all the time. I mean, there's been there's – no, there's known to be public tension there between – you know, Thielen, Diggs, and Cousins, especially going back earlier in the season where Thielen basically publicly called him out. And I mean, then Cousins ended up apologizing. Diggs. I mean, it's just, yeah. We saw I Diggs mean, on Sunday. He just, he was throwing his helmet off the field, walking off the field yeah. after they were struggling because he wasn't being targeted. They were up 13 to 10, and he's on the sideline furious that he's not getting the ball. They, there's no way you can convince me that they like playing with him. Yeah, even even if he's you know hitting those one or two big plays like he did today, I mean it's you caught the Saints on a on an off day, and this is why I didn't buy the Saints all year, even though they were you know probably one of the better teams. I just didn't trust them, and today proved that they just weren't that good, or not not that they weren't that good, that they just weren't they didn't they were missing something with them and. Cousins hit those two big passes and that was it. And that's all it really took. So I don't, I don't think that he's going to go another game on the road where he has Thielen in that situation and he finds him as he's taking another hit. I think, you know, having D Ford and then Bosa on the other side, plus Buckner, it's probably going to be, 
you know, a little bit better than what the Saints are running out there, even though some of the Saints players up on the defensive line are pretty good. I just I think for the 49ers are better up there. I do as well. And I think obviously getting D Ford back helps. I think the big, you know, so knowing that the Vikings personnel, how what they do. So the Vikings are in 12 personnel 50 percent of the time. That is a ton. They are in 21 personnel 18 percent of the time. 22 personnel, 13% of the time, and only use three wide receiver sets, 11 personnel, 11% of the time. So the the 49ers are going to be in their base defense early and often, which is a big thing for getting Quan Alexander back because whether you play him at Sam or Will, you are getting Aziz Alshahir off the field, which, <laughs> <Yes>. is, <laughs> which is a good thing. And again, I, think, I actually think he's going to be fine, and I think he is going to be able to contribute – but he's just not there yet. So knowing that you're going to be in base, knowing that you're going to be going against these play action routes where Quan and you wrote an article about this and I, I should have something on this tomorrow morning or sorry, Monday morning. It's going to publish at 8 a.m. Quan um, is play recognition on these play action plays are just outstanding. Like he recognizes plays within like by his read step. So every linebacker's read step is one, two, like they're going to take two steps forward more than likely. And then they're going to just read their keys. I, there are so many plays that I highlighted and Quan just sees it, gets to where he needs to be. No wasted movements. Like I just don't see the the Vikings being able to sustain plays. There's going to be plays where Kirk Cousin makes. Like he's done that all season and it's not going to stop. But being able to take away his first read and he, Kirk Cousins has a tendency to hold the ball. When he holds the ball, bad things happen, and that's what the 49ers are likely relying on. And I just think that they'll be able to make a difference. Looking at some of their other numbers from this, uh, from Steve's scouting report breakdown, whatever you want to call it, the uh, Vikings are going to be rolling out on play action 41% of the time. So they're going to boot, roll, Cousins, and probably get Thielen or Diggs on some sort of over router where they sit down over the middle of the field, which is plays right into the hands of Greenlaw and Alexander. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited to get Alexander back because I think he'll just make the world of difference. But their offense can go, man. There's no doubt about it. They are fourth in EPA per play, seventh in success rate, and they are 10th overall in DVOA. So they're, they're going to move the ball. There's And they, they have all season. It's just about getting after Cousins. And if the 49ers can win on early downs, which the the Vikings actually throw it 47% of the um, – their pass rate is 47% of the time. If they can just win on early downs, I do think the 49ers will have a ton of success. Uh, Dalvin Cook, obviously, had a, he had a big game today. He had some, some really nice runs. But since I, I was looking at this earlier, and since week 11, um, since week 11, the Vikings have not been explosive at all. They are 21st in explosive passing plays and 30th in explosive run plays. So, for whatever reason, they're not being able to generate these big plays. And I think that plays right into the 49ers' hands. So, uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of things just match up really well for the 49ers on both sides of the ball. And to put, to put that into perspective, the 49ers on offense since week 11, they have the fourth most explosive pass plays and the ninth most explosive um, run plays. So they're, these two teams are trending in the opposite directions on offense anyways, and yeah, that, the Vikings had a really good game plan today, but I, we are essentially betting on the 49ers doing what they do when they are healthy on the defensive line. And I think that they'll be able to take care of business. 
judging how the Saints game went. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm not worried about it. I think it's going to be a tough game, but this is the team that we all kind of wanted them to play more than anybody else in the next round. So it it'll be tough for sure, but I have no doubt that Shanahan coming off the bye week is going to be just on fire. Team is going to be rested. They're getting players back. We we didn't talk about uh, Tart and Ford coming back as much, but that is another huge boost <clears throat> to the defense. So having yes. Tart back there, and and Tart's really the catalyst for the the coverage, the pass coverage downfield, and recognizing the route combinations and being able to to basically put people his his other players and positions back there to make plays. So and not having him back there and getting Harris out of there or getting and having Harris in there is not ideal, but he's not going to be in there. It'll be tart. So that'll be good. And then having Ford back, you know, even if Ford is only in there and on third downs and sec, you know, the second down passing plays, but it, it, it is a huge boost. And, I, you know, it's something that they didn't have the last half of the season. And it's something that, they didn't even have the first time they played last year. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that have changed from week one to divisional round from week one, from last year to divisional round this year. So it will be most interesting to see what happens. Um, I'm not terribly excited about playing the Vikings, but I'm also not thinking that they're just going to totally, you know, shit the bed or anything. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to lose. I really don't. I do think that the Vikings will probably – here's how I see the game going. The 49ers are going to get out to a lead because that's what they do, and the Vikings are going to be able to storm a, storm a comeback, and I think the 49ers will be able to hold them off. But I also think that <clears throat> one of the things that I would be worried about or one of the, the best parts about getting Tart back is the 49ers red zone has been terrible. They're like – um, in December, there's really no other way around it. Heading into December, they were the third best team in the league in the red zone. And that was when Jaquiski Tart went out. And then Tart left, and now they are 17th in the NFL in red zone. Like that is a drastic drop. It went from 41% to 58% because they allowed 11 of 12 red zone possessions to result in touchdowns. And what they do down there is they have, they usually play too high, and they have mm-hmm. either or Ward jump down at the snap or they're just matching there. They play a lot of man match or zone match down there with Harris. They did not do that. They played a lot more single high where it's cover one jump is what I know it as like what Wade Phillips calls it. And the free safety is diving on the crossing routes and Harris's awareness is just not there to play that. So Tart is a very smart player. He doesn't make those type of mistakes. And I, I really feel like knowing that the Vikings are going to move the ball being able to hold the Vikings to field goals will go a long way. Yeah, they're having Tart back there plus Alexander to play that, you know, on some of those some of those two or two high red zone coverages they play quarters like they did on the final play against the Seahawks. That was a quarters on that side. You know, having him in there to basically match anything that comes in his zone is automatically going to eliminate one option and then you've got two other defenders a corner and a safety that you know, that know what they're doing on that side with either Sh- with Sherman and Tart or Ward and Mosley on the other side, plus whoever's playing that curl flat zone. So that's going to be big for them. And that like, yeah, you're right. That's that was definitely noticeable when Tart went out and then you get, you know, miscues like you did in the Falcons game on the final play. And 
and other things when Harris came in. So it's it's uh, it's going to be noticeable. You know, and I think the red zone defense probably takes a step forward again. Oh, a hundred percent. And yeah, getting getting forward back will be huge because we've seen teams are on early downs. They're doubling Buckner and Armstead, and then on third down, they're just sending all the help towards both and basically daring somebody else to win. So when you do that, and PFF had a stat where I believe Buckner was doubled over 200 times, Armstead was doubled over 200 times, and Bosa, I think, was around 130, which is unreal when you realize how many snaps they play. That's um, almost like 20% of the snaps for the first two. But with D Ford on the field, you just can't do that. If you double one of those two, one of the other three are going to win. Like that is just how it happened. That's what happened. That's not even me like making that up or um, just being a fanboy. That's exactly what happened What when teams would double, whether it was Buckner, Armstead, Ford, Bosa, when those four are on the field. And then when, when uh, especially if Salah wants to bring either Quan Alexander or Fred, uh, Fred Warner, who another reason why I think Alexander will be a big part for the defense is his, he's just so much better a blitzer than uh, Dre Greenlaw is. And he's just more aggressive. He's, and it's like a reckless aggressive too, which I love. So, um, and I just saw the number solid actually blitz 19% of the time. So yeah, man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that number tick up to the, the mid twenties or thirties against a guy like cousins and just kind of just bet on your, bet on your pass rush to get there before cousins makes a, makes a play and just keep forcing him to make a play. But uh, some other efficiency numbers, the 49ers finished the season first in the NFL in success rates, second in EPA, second in DVOA um, against the pass uh, Russian defense, not as good. They finished 29th in success rate against the run, which is funny because run defense matters to a point. It's really about timely stops and turnovers. And when the 49ers are at their best is when they're going to allow five, six, seven yards. And all of a sudden, Buckner beats his man. And now it's second and long. And now you have to throw the ball. And that's when you get in trouble. So a healthy 49ers defense, yeah, they're going to give up some runs. But they eventually, one of their guys will make a play. And you have to throw the ball. And you do not throw the ball. So my prediction for this game is 30-21. to 21. I think that it's just a very efficient game from Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan. I think there is not much resistance, and they are able to do what they want to on offense. I think they are able to get after Cousins. I think they're able to turn it over, and I do think that the Vikings are going to be able to get some plays. They're going to make some adjustments just because they are a playoff team. They are not. I mean, they're here for a reason. But when it's you know when the clock hits zeros, the 49ers will advance, and the 49ers will probably be hosting Aaron Rodgers. What do you think? Yeah, obviously they're going to win, and I don't think the Vikings are going to score more than two touchdowns. I'm probably going to say something like 31 to 14. I would, if I was being a, more of a homer, I'd probably say 31-10 or something or 31-7, but. I do think maybe the, the Vikings are going to get a you know a few big plays here and there. So, but I'm not worried about it. I don't think it's going to be enough, and I don't. I, I think we're going to see Kirk Cousins fall off a cliff again, um, or at least not play as well. Because like you, you know, like you said, he did play well this season. He, he played well, especially the back half of the season. So, I just don't think it's going to be enough. I, I don't. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's a lot they can do against the 49ers this year. Outside of a few explosive plays, and that's really it. I think the 49ers have this one wrapped up easily. Would you? Who would? Who is your guess to be the player of the game for the 49ers? 
Uh, I'm going to go with, on offense, probably Raheem Mostert. And I'm going to say, I'm going to guess that Bosa uh, finishes this sack drought and has, we'll say, minimum two sacks. Yeah, look at you. Um, Yeah, I I think that this is another Debo game where he is able to kind of shake loose. And I, first of all, love Shanahan getting him involved early. It feels like when he gets the ball in like an end around or like a little jet sweep, he just gets all the confidence in the world and he carries that over to the rest of the game. And he just gets, I don't know, man, he's just, he's a pain in the ass to tackle. I can tell you that these guys just have no idea how fast he is until it's too late, which I love. Um, Sidebar, sidebar. There's no way that he ran a four four eight. I just refuse to believe that. He just outruns everybody. But I think Debo has another big game. I think it goes over 100. I think um, total yards, I, I would say, just rushing and receiving. And he gets in the end zone. And on the other side of the ball, I think Fred Warner is going to be the player of the game. I think he gets a sack blitzing. And I think he's able to step in the throwing lane and get a turnover from old Kirk. So that's where I'm going That'll do it for us today. Rich, uh, you said you're working on something. What are you working on this uh, this week? So this week I'm looking at five different areas that are going to be important to the, the game on Saturday. And don't want to give too much away. We kind of touched, touched on a lot of it. But basically contain the play action, especially the boot rollouts. Um, use fullback Kyle Jusizic more in the passing game. Pressure the hell out of Cousins. Stop the screen and use Raheem Mostert a little bit more than uh, Tevin Coleman. <laughs> why, why is that? Why would they, why would you want to, yeah, why that? would you want to do that? It, yeah. I, they, the Vikings had a hard time stopping the Packers running game this year. I think they gave up uh, just short of 400 yards on the ground and like five touchdowns to the Packers running game, which is, you know, basically the same, running game that the 49ers run just given the the familiarity that uh, LaFleur has with coaching with Shanahan and running a similar offense so I think that's going to be something that they rely on pretty probably a little bit more this week and I don't know that Coleman is the guy that they should be relying on to run the ball but we say that every week and then it ends up they do end up running with him it just never you know, it doesn't always work out as well as it does when they run with Mostert. Oh, we are definitely going to see some wide zone, some stretch zone. The Vikings give up five yards of carry when you run it off to the left end, and they give up 5.1 yards of carry when you run off to the right end. So Mostert is a great pick, and him, Brita, maybe even Coleman might break one. So uh, good yeah, call. Would like to see Coleman used a little bit more in the passing game, though. I no, I think that's it. I oh. I agree with that. I think and he I has don't, yeah. on this team. It's not and like I, he's worthless. I think I actually think he's a very good in pass protection. I think he's one of the best, or I think he is the best running back in pass protection. And I think they can do a better job of getting him the ball and little swing passes or dump uh, just dump offs where he can just get those six yards and a six yards a six yard pass play on first down is a great play to running back. Yeah, it. it it, it kind of bug. I thought that's what they were going to do with him this season. And I don't want to get off on a tangent here as we wrap this up, but that's what Shanahan did with Coleman and the Falcons. He spread him out wide and he ran him on pretty much anything he could think of. He ran him on verticals. He ran him on slants. He ran him out of the backfield on corner routes. Like he had one against the Seahawks in the divisional round that year for a touchdown. And this year we haven't seen that with 
this team, you know, they don't really get the running backs involved as heavily as they did with the Falcons. And they certainly have the talent to do it. And that's kind of why I thought they brought Coleman in and they just haven't done it. So I hope would like to see that. Maybe that's something he's, they're saving for the playoffs and we'll see, but I would like to see that a little bit more. Yeah. I think, um, I wonder how much that has to do with just the, the trust, because it seems like when in doubt, throw the ball to, for the first time we've mentioned his name, George Kittle, who, as as you know, I mentioned, the, the Vikings are the best team in the NFL, DVOA-wise, at defending the tight end, but something tells me they haven't seen a guy like George Kittle. No, nobody has. Right. He's just um, amazing. But we'll, we will say that for the recap, guys. So thanks for tuning in. I am Kyle Posey. You can follow me at KP underscore show. Rich, where can we find you on Twitter? You can find me at Rich J Madrid. All right, guys, that'll do it for us. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you Saturday night after a Niners victory.